Good morning. It's so good to see you. We're going to be in Luke's Gospel. If you have a Bible with you, Luke chapter 24, a very familiar portion of Scripture. To many of you, as we look at the account of the resurrection, on Good Friday, we are in chapter 23 looking at uh, a portion of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ where we saw our Lord dying on the cross of Calvary as his body is bleeding. He's shedding his blood for the sins of the world. And he would say from that cross that, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. He would then, as we read, turn to the thief next to him who called out to Jesus, said, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus' response to him was that you'll be with me in paradise before the sun has set. Dr. Luke also would record in his gospel that from the sixth hour to the ninth hour that Jesus is on the cross, that darkness covered all of the world, not just in Jerusalem, not just in Israel, but all of the world, because they had rejected the light of the world. And we also read in Luke's account of the crucifixion that the veil was torn. It was ripped, uh, as Matthew gives us more detail, from top to bottom, all because the Lamb of God was ripped for you and for me, his body. As he went through tremendous suffering and pain, he went through suffering that we can't fully understand as the Lamb that was led to the slaughter. And then Jesus would cry out those three wonderful words, that it is finished. And as he did that, we know that the veil was rent in half that separated the temple there in Jerusalem, the holy place from the most holy place or the holy of holies. And that's where the high priest would go behind the veil once a year to make atonement for the sins of a nation. It was where the tangible presence of God was. And when that veil was rent in half and came down, the Lord was saying, open house. Now come into my presence. And Hebrews comes along and tells you and I that we can come boldly into the Holy of Holies, into the presence of God in confidence. It's not our own confidence, but in confidence of what Jesus Christ has done for you and for me and going to the cross. And here's the thing. We can do it any day we want. We can go at any time that we want. We can stay as long as we want. It's a glorious truth and privilege because Jesus Christ has reconciled us to the Father. Remember in that upper room right before he went to the garden to be arrested, he told his disciples that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And so now the Father boldly says, come into my presence, not reluctantly, not with hesitation, not with doubt, but the Son has offered a way, and he has opened the way for us to do that. And so Jesus would breathe his last, and as he hung on that cross and his body lifeless, it was Joseph of Arimathea, who was a council member, that would go to Pilate. And he would go to the governor and ask for the body of Jesus. And the reason that he did that is because crucified victims were not treated with respect. And I find it interesting that it was Joseph that did that. God had a plan, and it was also Nicodemus, the master teacher of Israel, John chapter 3, that it was Jesus that said that, Nicodemus, if you want to see the kingdom of God, you must be born again. And those two council members, that they took courage, the scripture says, they were secret disciples of Jesus, but they risked their positions and risked their reputation and said, we don't care, we're going to ask for the body of Jesus. And now as his body was put into that tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, there was a stone that would close the entrance to that tomb. We see now in chapter 24, as we do read, that on the first day of the week, 
that very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. So Nicodemus and Joseph, when they took the body of Jesus down from the cross to prepare him for burial, it's late in the day before sunset, right before the Sabbath, and they would hastily prepare Jesus' body for burial. And these certain other women referred to the women who saw Jesus be put into the tomb. Because the gospel accounts tell us that they were eyewitnesses of the crucifixion. They were eyewitnesses of the burial of Jesus. Because you see, sometimes we we put a lot of emphasis, which we should, on the crucifixion. Uh, We rejoice in the resurrection. But the burial of Jesus was part of that. And we can tend to forget that, that Jesus actually died on that cross. His body put into that tomb. These women would watch Joseph and Nicodemus put Jesus into the tomb. And they would also observe the stone that would be uh, rolled to close the entrance of that tomb. We know that these women, verse 10, we read in this chapter, are Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, Joanna, and they're coming as soon as they can on the first day of the week to complete the process of applying the burial spices on the body of Jesus. And as we know, they would come to the tomb very early. Uh, They don't know that the guards are there. They're wondering who's going to roll away this stone. And they don't know the guards are there because, as you know, Matthew tells us that the religious leaders came to Pilate and said, listen, we're afraid that the disciples are going to come and steal away the body of Jesus. Will you put a guard there? So Pilate said, you make the tomb as secure as you know how. They would set 12 to 16 Roman soldiers there, fighting men of Rome, there to guard the tomb. And they would seal that stone that was rolled to close the entrance of that tomb. And it was a Roman seal. And anyone who would come along and try to take the body of Jesus away, breaking that seal, well, they would be put to death. So these women come very early to the tomb. They don't know that the soldiers are there. Matter of fact, when they get there, the soldiers are gone. And we know that they, they come, they're wondering, Matthew tells us, who's going to roll away this huge stone that has blocked the entrance to the tomb? Uh, and so they come with the burial spices. But I like this phrase here. I, I want us to consider it on this Resurrection Sunday, that they come very early in the morning. As you and I as Christians, I want to encourage you. As Proverbs chapter 8 tells us, in the King James it reads, Those who seek me early, the Lord says, shall find me. And as they come early in the morning here, John tells us while it was still dark, Mark's gospel says when the sun had risen, in the very break of dawn, they make a wonderful discovery. Matter of fact, it's the greatest discovery in the history of mankind, isn't it? That the tomb is empty. And that he is risen. And as you and I, as we continue on, seek him early. Whatever that might mean for you in your day. And as you read the word of God and as you go to him, you're going to see that the Lord is going to give you new discoveries, reading his word, new understandings. He's going to draw you close to himself as we take the time to do that. And in verse 2, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, and they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Again, from John's gospel, we know 
that this tomb owned by Joseph of Arimathea, that council member, it had never been used. It was close to Calvary where Jesus died, and it was in a garden as well. And the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, the stone, as I've mentioned, which was the door of the tomb, would be very, very heavy, circular-shaped stone. It would be in a groove in front of the entrance of the tomb. So this stone would be rolled in this groove, this channel, to close the tomb, and then they could roll it back to, to open the tomb. It would take a couple men to do that. They would have these, these very big poles, and they would get under that stone and kind of push, and they would roll it to move that stone. And they come to the tomb where Jesus was, and these women find the stone was rolled away. Matter of fact, Matthew tells us that this angel had moved the stone, picked up the stone, and put it in a place by itself. So it wasn't just rolled in the groove. This angel picked it up, set it aside, and then hopped on top of it. And as we read in verse 4, the stone being away from the entrance, that it happened as they were greatly perplexed, in verse 4, I have that underlined, about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? So here come these women. Uh, they're not expecting to, to find the stone rolled away. They're not expecting the body of Jesus to be gone. Uh, They're not expecting to see angels. Um, Remember that they're greatly perplexed here at this time. They're not thinking, oh yeah, it's the resurrection. Of course it is. So they're trying to, as they come, as they're seeing all this going on, matter of fact, what is interesting is that the angel that moved the stone, we know that it was a mighty angel. Uh, Matthew tells us that his countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And it was the soldiers that were there, when they saw that angel, as he hopped up on top of the stone, those fighting men of Rome They took off. Matthew says they were like dead men. They were frightened. The women, when they saw the angel, they didn't run away. I find that intriguing and interesting. But they go into the tomb, they see two more angels. But that angel there that they saw on top of the stone would say to them that don't be afraid. Here we read that they are afraid. And the message was don't be afraid. I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Now come see the place where the Lord lay. And then Luke picks up the account where they went in and didn't find the body of Jesus. They're perplexed at the two angels that stood by them in shiny garments. The very first message of the angels to the shepherds at the birth of Jesus was what? Don't be afraid. And the very first message of the angel to these women coming to the tomb on this resurrection morning was don't be afraid. I don't need to tell you it's a scary world out there. And it's getting scarier, isn't it? And I talk to more people that I think that are more afraid or perhaps uh, they have anxiety or maybe anxious, you know, about what the days have had hold maybe for our nation, maybe in the world, maybe in the circumstance that you face. And the message that was given on that Easter morning, that resurrection Sunday morning, the first day of the week, when Jesus rose from the grave, the very first message when Jesus was born is the same message this morning, and that is you don't have to be afraid. If you're in Christ and a believer, we belong to him. 
We have the promises of the Lord. We're going to be reminded next week when we pick up our study in the book of Philippians, which, by the way, is a book of joy. You don't want to miss that study. And we are told that we are citizens of heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. And we belong to him. And we have a living hope. Amen? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's not a dead hope. And we have the Lord in our lives and in our hearts, so we don't have to be afraid. So these two men in shining garments, now the other gospel writers tell us that these two men were indeed angels. And, of course, loose description gives us that confirmation. It's an interesting implication that angels actually can appear as men. Uh, The women saw these two. They were shining, but appearing as men nonetheless. And we know that as they would say the angels to these women... Why do you seek the living among the dead? And I love that phrase. Now, that's a phrase that's worthy of our considering. Hey, ladies, why are you seeking the living among the dead? People today do that. There's a lot of people that we know, that we talk to. Maybe you work alongside of them. Maybe they live next to you. Maybe they're family members or friends. I think most people know what the, the resurrection of Jesus is about. They, they, they know what Easter is about, whether you like to use that term or not. Uh, they know that we as Christians, that we look at the crucifixion of Jesus on Good Friday, the resurrection of Jesus Christ on this weekend, and yet they will look at his life and study his life as, as one that was a religious leader. Oh, Jesus was a great humanitarian. He was a great teacher. I I agree with the sayings of Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount. And they will study him in that way, philosophically, theologically. and, And they will study him as a religious leader. But they will treat him as though he was dead. They forget that Jesus has risen from the grave. And what does that mean? And so we too, as believers, we don't want to fall subtly into that error We know that the Lord is here this morning. Do you know that? He is with us in this place. We're not just talking about the thoughts of Jesus. We're not just talking about the memory of Jesus. We're talking about Jesus saying, where two or three are gathered in my name, I will be in the midst of them. And he's right here, right now. And when we really make that our own, when we really grasp that, how will it affect the way that we worship and pray and we study? How we treat each other. How we talk amongst each other. When we really grasp the fact that he is here right now and he's traveling among us and he's truly among us, we don't want to treat him as though he's distant and we don't want to treat him as though he's not present. We don't want to just look at him philosophically, intellectually, and theologically. Now, I think Bible study should be intelligent. And we place a heavy emphasis on the teaching of the Word of God here. And theology is important, but it is personal. He is here dwelling inside your heart. And he's here with us. And when we hear his words or we hear the Word of God, and it strikes us or stirs us or challenges and convicts us, Talk it over with the Lord. You can say, Lord, thank you. Lord, I hear you. Lord, deal with me. Forgive me. Change me. Whatever it might be. But we don't treat the Lord as though he's just a memory that we're discussing as we gather together. He's here with us presently. And why do you seek the living among the dead? He is alive. Why are you in the place of the dead looking for the one who is alive is what's being said. It's like the angels are perplexed 
about the response of the women. The women come, they're perplexed. The angels are perplexed. Why would you be doing this? Interesting, in the Greek, in the singular, the living, plural, the dead. Why do you seek the living one among the dead ones? And people do that today. There are people, all of us, there are people that that want to experience life and life abundantly, have fulfillment in life, amen? And they are looking for it amongst that which is dead. And if you are here, not because Pastor Jeff says so, but the word of God, and you're looking to be fulfilled and find life abundantly and living for yourself, or what is the meaning of life? How can I be fulfilled in life? What is life all about? And you're trying to find it by living for yourself or pursuing the world, the pleasures of the world, or the ways of the world. There's going to be a deadness that's going to be in your heart and in your soul because you were created to know him. You are created for his pleasures. And God created you that you might have fellowship with him. And Jesus has provided that for you. You see, Christianity isn't just about religion. It's about relationship, a living relationship with the living Savior. What wonderful fellowship and closeness that we can have with him. As we see the incredible price that he paid for you and for me. And now we can have this incredible relationship and fellowship. You will be empty if you don't draw close to him and know him. You might have temporary satisfaction, but you were created for his good pleasures. Why are you looking for the the living among the dead? He's not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise again. In verse 8, they remembered his words. Now you know that Jesus had been talking to his disciples that he, when he goes to Jerusalem, he's going to be handed over to the chief priests. He's going to be crucified, and then he's going to rise again after three days. He never talked about his crucifixion without also speaking about his resurrection. And also, as he'd been speaking to them about that, they don't understand what's going on, even up to this point, till after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We know that here it's interesting. The angel said, don't you remember his words to these women? These women, we know from the Gospels, would accompany the disciples and Jesus in ministering to them. So they don't understand everything that's going on as well. He spoke to you when he was in, still in Galilee. And as they are beginning to understand these things, he's not here, but he is risen. He spoke to you. You know when we become hopeless, when we become perplexed, when we become confused and downed and discouraged and defeated, is when we don't remember the words of our Lord. We don't take to heart the word of God given to us. His promises, the comfort of the Lord, how the Lord desires to work in our lives. When we don't remember what Jesus Christ has done for you and for me on a daily basis, we become perplexed, we become confused, we become hopeless. But this perplexity that they have becomes more of a clarity because now they're remembering. And the greatest message, the most incredible words ever spoken is that he is risen.
It's the very foundation of our faith. Paul would write in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, If there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty. Paul would tell us in chapter 15, in verses 3 and 4 of 1 Corinthians, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. So the reality of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ is coming to them. And then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and, and to all the rest. And it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these, those things to the apostles. So they go out, they give this message, they give the message that, hey, the tomb is empty, he's not there, he's alive, he's risen. And the apostles then, of course, would take the message to the world. And that message has been given over the last 2,000 years. The most profound and incredible fact in all of history was entrusted to these women, first of all. The first missionaries going out from this tomb. And why would the Lord entrust these women with this very important and incredible message? The reason was because they were there. Because they were there. Because of their love and their devotion to the Lord, they were the last ones at the cross, or now at the first ones at the tomb on the first day of the week. And I believe that the Lord desires to use those who are devoted and have a love for him. When the Lord says, whom shall I send? That you and I, that we can say, here I am, Lord, use me. That I have a message to go to the brethren, to those who are linked to you in your life. That I want to be used to give that message to others because it is the hope of any individual. It is the hope of our nation. I pray for spiritual revival in this nation. I pray that, that people would come to Christ as we share Christ with others in our community, in our own lives. Here's the thing that I want to encourage you in. That it's getting warm outside, beautiful day. I'm like you, I got spring fever. And we start making summer plans and we'll be getting out and we get busy with life and the cares of life. But don't pull away from the Lord. And don't pull away from being used of the Lord. You don't want to miss out on the opportunity to be used of him and whatever he has for you. And a very important message that you can give to others. And as they do go and tell them that the tomb is empty and he's risen, their words seemed to them like idle tales and they did not believe them. But Peter arose and ran to the tomb and stooping down he saw the linen clothes lying by themselves and he departed marveling to himself at what had happened. So they think these women, it's idle talk, you know, it really, literally it means delusional. But it tells us when the women went, here are these disciples that they're depressed, they're, they're hiding, they're all afraid. And here the women come with excitement, bursting with joy. Matter of fact, another gospel says they went out with great fear from the tomb, just in awe of what had taken place and what they saw, and with joy. You want to have joy? You want to have joy in life? Then you tell others about Jesus. You tell them about the living hope that they can have as they come in faith in Jesus Christ and be forgiven and have the promise of eternal life and become a new creation in Christ, being born again by the Spirit of God. And Peter eventually, as the gospel tells us, him and John would run to the tomb. But here's where I want to close. Number one is that in one of the gospel, 
the angel said, you go and tell Peter to the women. Go and tell Peter, especially Peter, particularly Peter. Because the last time that we saw Peter before this, that he was weeping bitterly in the courtyard of Caiaphas because he had denied the Lord three times. He thought he had severed his relationship with the Lord. You go and tell Peter that I'm alive. I'll meet him in Galilee. And maybe you're here on this Easter and you're going, you know, I not what I could be and what I should be. And I've been distant from the Lord. I've even denied the Lord. And the Lord has a message for you. He wants you to come home. He wants you to come home. He wants you to come to him, to be forgiven, to draw close to him. Have you ever noticed in the Gospels, it's always the message of Jesus, come? It's not get away from me. It is come. You come to him. And you come to the Lord. And you draw close to him. Because the heart that's repented, the heart that desires to come to him, he receives that. You go and tell Peter that I'm alive and he's alive today, desiring to work in your life. And then know this. Know that he desires to bring joy to you as you go out of this place to give a message that Jesus Christ, that he's risen from the grave. Amen. Amen. So, Lord, thank you. We thank you so much for this time that we have. And I pray that you'd bless everyone here as we go our way and we go out of this place with joy, knowing that we believe in a risen Savior, have a living hope, and, Lord, that we have a real relationship with you through faith in Jesus Christ. I pray that it would never draw, be um, dulled to us or mundane, but live in that newness of life every single day and drawing close to you, that we would seek you early, consistently and constantly. And I thank you that we're here to celebrate the greatest event in human history, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I want to pray if there's anyone here listening that you've never committed your life to Jesus. He is your salvation. He came and died for you personally, for your sins. Because the wages of sin is death. A church can't save you. A pastor can't save you. You can't save yourself trying to be good. We're all guilty. That's why Jesus came. And he paid it all. He cried out, it is finished. He did the work. And now, as we believe in his death, that he died and made atonement for our sins and his resurrection, we come in faith. Have you done that? If you haven't done that, the invitation of the Lord is for you to come right now. To repent, turn to Jesus, and call out on the name of Jesus for salvation and reconciliation with the Father and the hope of eternal life. To pray, Jesus, I come and I ask you, forgive me of my sins. I believe you died on the cross for me and that you're alive. Forgive me. And I ask that you be my personal Lord and Savior to know you and walk with you all the days of my life. And I thank you for this new beginning. And I thank you for bringing me to the family of God. In Jesus' name. Fill our hearts with joy as we leave this place. Lord, just walking with you and knowing you. In Jesus' name, amen.